Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. I am arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. I am extremely excited to be talking to James Imes today, who is the playwright of the Pulitzer Prize-winning Tony-nominated Fat Ham. Fat Ham most recently appeared on Broadway at the American Airlines Theater from March 21st through July 2nd, 2023, and now its physical edition is out as of August 1st from TCG Books. Fat Ham is a loose modern reinvention of William Shakespeare's Hamlet in which Juicy, a young queer Southern man who is grappling with questions of identity, is visited by the ghost of his father, Pap, at his mother's wedding celebration slash family barbecue. When Pap demands that Juicy avenge his recent murder, Juicy, a sensitive and self-aware young black man, must choose between family vengeance and his own path to try to break a cycle of trauma and toxic masculinity. If you know me, if you've listened to Grace and I talk in old Today on Broadway episodes, you know how much I love Fat Ham. I was so happy to finally get to speak with James about this beautiful, joyous play and its unconventional journey from a filmed production at the Wilma Theater in Philadelphia to winning the Pulitzer Prize to playing the New York stage at both the Public Theater and on Broadway. We got a chance this past week to discuss that along with upending the expectations of the audience, writing stories for your communities, the cycles we inherit from those who have left us, the embrace of softness in life, and of course, the message of it all, to thine own self be true. Without further ado, here is my interview with James Imes. Are you striking at the moment? I am struck. (laughs) How fun. Aren't we having a great time (laughs) currently? (laughs) It's awesome. Goodness, how's it going? You know, it's okay. I mean, I have a, I I teach at a university, so I I don't always, like, I'm not worried about money, but like, there were some things that were in process that are like, we don't know. Yeah. We'll see what it looks like when we get back. So, yeah. yeah. Well, there's that. Well, in the meanwhile, uh, much to my own delight, we are going to talk about Fat Ham today. Um, yay! Yay! Um, I'm going to try and not be too obsequious throughout this, but I just really fucking love Fat Ham. I have gushed about it very often when I used to co-host today on Broadway. I will continue to do it in this interview. Um, oh. We're not just <laughs> we're not just talking about it though because I love it, um, but also because of August first, the physical book is out for. TCG books, which must be yes. very lovely to see out in the world. It's beautiful. It's, it's so wonderful and so exciting and just thrilled for more people to have access to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would love to talk about its history and we will certainly talk, of course, about the writing process of it and that, but it's had quite an odd life cycle so far. And before it even saw a full audience, it had a filmed production and then it won a Pulitzer and then it came to off Broadway and Broadway and five Tony nominations, which congratulations on all of that, of course. Thank Um, Thank you. But yeah, I would I would love to hear. Obviously, times necessitated that since it was during the pandemic shutdown. But uh, what an interesting path! Yeah, I mean, I started writing the play. Um, time is so weird to me, so I'm not going to try to say oh, how many years ago. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> I feel that. But you know, I I started writing it, and then um, 
I got the job at the Wilma um, around the time that I was sort of like in drafting mode with it. And I also had a outstanding commission with them. And when uh, we all assembled what the cohort was going to be, me, Morgan Green, and Yuri Ernov, um, yeah. Morgan read the play and was like, I love it. Let's do it. And we were going to do a stage production of it. And this is February of 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we announced Oops. our season. We're very excited. We announced the new model. It's very exciting. And uh, all systems are a go. And then uh, the world shut down. Yeah. And money got really tricky. And so one of the things that we did was that we made Fat Ham a commission. It was like, it feels weird to get a commission from a place where I work. (laughs) Like, can we (laughs) maybe (laughs) find a way to like uh, more money generally or yeah. Yeah. I felt very weird about that. And so um, one of the solutions that we came up with was to make it a commission. So that's, that's why it's a commission at the Wilma which I'm very excited about because it's it's been a really great artistic home for me over the years. And when the pandemic hit, you know, Blanca was going to direct Will Arbery's, Blanca Ziska, who's yeah. uh, one of the founding artistic directors, was going to direct Will Arbery's Heroes of the Fourth Turning. And we just sort of like, there was a moment we were in a, on Zoom in a leadership meeting. And I, I think Blanca even said like, it's outside. The place set outside. We could just yeah. film it. Yeah. Let's just film it. And so they put actors in a bubble and they went to the Poconos and they filmed it. And then Perfect. Morgan, when we saw that, Morgan was like, oh. And Morgan was in film school. This is the other part of the equation. Oh, my God. So Morgan was thinking about film at the same time. And she was like, I'm going to do the same thing with Fat Ham. And she had this great idea to do it in these really long takes. So it felt very live. Um, yeah, and that's that was the first production of it. Was this uh, we we the opening night? I remember I I, I put on a blazer and no pants and sat on Zoom. <laughs> I was I was gonna ask if you <laughs> were wearing pants. So I'm glad you no, that in. <laughs> of course not, of course not. <laughs> yeah, um, and it was it was beautiful. Like you know, it, it, you didn't have the immediate response of the audience, so I didn't know if it was funny or not. <laughs> like I thought oh, it was sure. funny. Yeah. Of course. But I wasn't sure. Yeah. And then the we get to the public and uh, we started working on it in the room. And I'm like, God, this is really funny. Um, and so I even like took steps to sort of like, you know, launch even more in that direction. And then it won the Pulitzer. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, <laughs> it, and then it went into previews. Like we yeah. haven't even had a preview yet. And, you know, I say the thing about this play is that everything about it has been super unorthodox. Um, sure. What a way to, like, make your debut on Broadway <laughs> with a Honestly. play that's gone through this very weird journey. But it also, like, you know, drove home for me the importance of the regional theater as a part of that real pipeline Absolutely, to Broadway. Yes. It's so important. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, how did it start to form in your brain? Um, like why was Hamlet the way in for you? And did it shift from the process of how much it was leaning one way or another toward or away from the source while you were working on it? Yeah. I did a, a student directed production of Hamlet in college and it was the first time I'd experienced a play and was like instantly obsessed with it. Um, read everything I could about it. Yeah, it's just it's just a brilliant 
story and uh, Shakespeare. And, you know, I'm very much in the tradition of Shakespeare of taking source material and doing something new with it. And so I'd say, you know, maybe about eight years ago, I just started reading the play, watching the play, thinking about it. And I saw every production I could see in person. I watched every movie. There's so many movie versions of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I watched, you know, community theater productions on YouTube. I watched, you know, foreign language productions, I, particularly Thomas Ostermeyer. I was trying to give credit there. Um, because the biggest gift I got from watching that was in his production um, in German, Gertrude serenades Claudius. And I was like, mm. oh, it's fabulous. Yeah, interesting. And that's how the karaoke happened. Absolutely. In, in Fat Ham. <laughs> so, like, you know, I was watching, you know, really trying to pay attention to how people had interpreted it and what of that interpolation could I bring into the version that I had. I knew that I wanted it to be set in the South. I knew, knew I wanted yeah. Hamlet to be this sort of, uh, what I call the soft boy, you know, emotional, almost to a fault, um, really deep thinking. I knew that he wanted, those were the elements of Hamlet that I wanted present. Full full of empathy, as he even states in the show. Full of empathy. I'm an empath. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, But I didn't know exactly what of the play I wanted to keep. I knew, you know, there were things that I, there was text that I knew I wanted. Oh, uh, what a piece of work is man. Yeah. I knew I wanted to use that. I knew I wanted to use, uh, I have heard that guilty creature sitting at a play. I wanted to use those speeches for yes. sure. And there was a little mo- There was a very small moment where I was going to use, um, Oh, this too, too solid flesh would melt thaw and resolve itself into a dew. I love that speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, no, I should write my own version of that. Uh, um, and and um, and it be about what is it like to be a queer person in a in a community in a place where they don't want you, mm, yeah. And how that what does that affect on your mental health? What does that affect on your will to sort of like keep going? And I wanted to see my Hamlet and Juicy grapple with that. So it's, it's the whole speech about the Barbie doll and. Mm. Um, wanting and that his mother sort of like affirms it and is like, yes, here's the thing that you wanted and that the world in the form of its father Took is it like, away. No. Yeah. yeah. And that felt really rich, you know? Um, I also got to, you know, write a version of the scene between the ghost and Hamlet, my Hamlet being juicy and his father, my ghost scene isn't um, vague. It's not haunty. Yeah. It's a father talking to his son with the the clarity of the of eternity. <laughs> as I like to say. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. Nothing is obscured from him anymore. So he has to deal with what he's done. And because his son is um an adult, he can't he can't run away from it. He has to face it because yeah. you know, Juicy's gonna make him face it. So that was um a moment that sort of like it, it it mirrors the play, but it's a real deviation from the play. You know, the using the charades instead of having <laughs> a players come in. There was a moment I was like, Well, maybe it's actually a, maybe it's an actual movie. And I was like, Well, we can't really do that. It's outside. So it made sure. the most sense to sort of have 
the company act out the thing that the players would act out if we were doing Hamlet. And it felt really true to itself in that oh, manner. Good. That makes me very happy. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's this through line through your works centered on masculinity, certainly um, growing up in the South, growing up black and queer in the South in America, which you mentioned being in a place mm. that doesn't really want you. And I mm. do think Fat Ham really encompasses all of that. It's obviously more of a comedy <laughs> than Hamlet yes. is, but I can imagine the writing process had to have tapped into something that on paper looks like it could have been highly personal. I mean, you know, I was really lucky. You know, I grew up in a family that has and continues to be very accepting of me and all of my strangeness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was a very, very strange kid growing up. And I think everybody was like, oh, okay, well, we'll just we'll do what we can with this one. And I grew up in a church setting that was... um I like to say like capital B black church because it was, sure, a, yeah. a, 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 I didn't have a pastor that was preaching about prosperity. I didn't have a pastor that was preaching about, you know, abortion. I didn't have sure. a, like, he was preaching yeah. about the lives of the people that he lives, was. Love, uh, and, yeah. and, and the thing I love about the pastor that I grew up with, his name is Reverend Love. Um, oh, that's great. And he it continues to be like a, a really great. So I, I feel like I, I sort of was able to um, make it through the experience of being queer in the South relatively unscathed. Small but like outside of my family. Yeah, like outside of my family, um, I, you know, I loved choir. That wasn't the thing that the guys were supposed to love. You know, I ever, sure. you know, I loved theater. Though that wasn't a thing that guys were supposed to love. So I was constantly sort of um, in this position of trying to build a masculinity for myself that felt comfortable, that felt um, felt like I could do it. Sure. You know, I think of a lot of what I was feeling as a young person is that I can't do this. I can't, I can't fight when I get angry. Because I'm just not built that way. Yeah. And so that stuff I wasn't able to escape. But um, in terms of my family and the community I grew up in, I was I was pretty lucky. Well, I think that's really lovely in Fat Ham, too, is this emphasis and embrace and even just the acknowledgement of softness and the beauty of mm. that, where you yes. don't typically get that that's obviously not embraced in society we're a society of toxic masculinity and to have fat ham really lean into you know the physical and emotional softness of juicy was just so beautiful to me it was i mean it, that was one of those things that sort of like comes to you in the process and you're like oh this place one of the things that i kept butting up against when i was reading the play was sporting bras. So like, what is this guy's <laughs> yeah. deal? Everybody's so freaked out. Yeah. And then upon like really close reading, you know, you discover that this guy is on his way to Denmark because of something Hamlet's father had done to him yeah. or his father. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, look at this. It's the cycle. It just became so clear to me that this Completely. play is also very much about the cycles that we inherit from people who are gone. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yes. And that felt really rich for a new story. Um, 
And so I, it's it's just been really great to see it um, meet audiences. And the number of people who are like, yeah, I got a Rev. I got a Tidra. I got a Rabbi. <laughs> of like course. The number of people who was like, I know these people. That's my aunt. Um, that yeah. felt like a thing I could kind of do for my community and particularly people who I know who are queer and from the South. You need to stop going red. I didn't do nothing to him. That little charade's trick you pulled. No, I pulled a slip from the bowl just like everyone else. You're upsetting him. He didn't seem upset to me. Well, he was. Mm-hmm. Just be nice to him. Oh, how nice the quarrel was. What? The Shakespeare. If you bring up that dead old white man one more time, don't nobody want to talk about his ass. You act like he got all the answers. You look crazy out here quoting Shakespeare and shit. I think we've been having more and more conversations about the decisions of staying true to the text and playing with interpretation versus playing with the text and finding an interpretation that's truest to the story that you're trying to tell. And I do think Shakespeare for as established as his, as his works are, as obviously influential as they are, there's still this hurdle for a lot of people because of the language. I think as a result, you know, we, in a way to still keep them intact, we have people can, and have people connect to them in a way that, um, that they couldn't understand before and are understanding now we're seeing more like much ado about nothing directed by Kenny Leon or Shakespeare in the parks, Hamlet currently also directed by Kenny Leon. Fat Ham is different. It is a very loose interpretation. It uses and it references Hamlets and the characters are all kind of a kind of Hamlet with Juicy, a kind of Ophelia with Opal, but it's shedding what doesn't serve it. It is moving forward when it no longer needs it. It's rewriting, it's confronting and critiquing, and it's showing that all these things don't have to be set in stone. Right. I mean, that feels like what Shakespeare was doing in his time. Yeah, I think and, so too. Yeah, I mean, I, it it came so easily to just sort of make that change, make that shift. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I don't know, like I I'm I'm not even particularly reverent <laughs> with my own place <laughs> yeah. in terms of like the text. You know, I the thing I say all the time that I think some people sort of bristle at a little bit is that a play is a gesture towards expanding community around an idea or a set of ideas, but there's mm. really all mm-hmm. that it, it it can be because it needs people um, to gather around it. It needs community around it in order for it to be itself, to, you know, fully become what it wants to be. And if I believe that, that means whatever community that the play enters into, there's going to be some uh, friction with what I've written and what that community needs. Sure. So I try to be like open to that as much as possible. I think in making it so community centered, you know, having it be a comedy is obviously the right thing. And you have all these references to the original, the ah, there's the rub in reference to little literal barbecue rub at the, cl- the cookout, the fourth wall breaks um, to deliver pulled from the source solilo- soliloquies. I think it's a-, a lot of the beauty of the play is that entering of the communal space, the, how it allows the audience to be in on the joke and needing to have that audience to kind of be like, you see what's going on here, right? Now pay attention to what we're going to do with it. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing about Shakespeare that I love is I, and you know, there's other people that disagree with me on this as well. 
I think the man was trying to write blockbusters. I think he wanted butts in the seats. Yeah. He wanted to entertain people. And he knew that the audience was incredibly discriminating, like mm-hmm. incredibly hostile. And when you when you're making um theater under those conditions you know you sort of constantly be ca- being called upon to um impress delight um you know engender wonder in the audience and i think um you know whether we're talking about titus andronicus or we're talking mm-hmm. about merry wives yeah he is always trying to do that um and none of the plays are without humor. This is the other thing, like in reading Hamlet, yeah. I just was struck by how funny it is in Completely. places. Yeah. And no one ever plays the real humor in it. They only play the play the danger and they only play the revenge. Yeah. And I think Or they play okay. the one camp role, the one comic relief role. Yeah. Which sure, yeah. but there's more yeah. to it. Yeah. There's so much more to it. So, you know, those were the things that um I kept coming back to um, and that just stuck with me as I was working on it is that it needs to be a thing that's going to sort of keep the audience at the edge of their seat. And so structurally, what that means is that I'm constantly upending the expectations of the audience, which is the way movies and TV shows do. Completely. Um, speaking further Shakespeare interpretations, I would love to talk about your collaboration with the great Sahim Ali and how he shaped, uh, how it looked on the stage in front of the audiences when it came to New York. Well, Sahim is, um, the thing I, when I describe him as a collaborator, I say he extends the theatrical imagination of the play. Mm, Beautiful. And so he reads the play and he goes, okay, this is awesome love this text. Here's what I see. And this is how I see I can sort of like stretch it out. So you have these ideas about like what to do with the karaoke scenes. And I was like, I don't know, Sahim. <laughs> I think they're just like, they're just karaoke scenes. He's like, no, 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 let me show you. And then, you know, they would, I would, you know, because I was, uh, when it was uh, in rehearsal at the public, I was still running the Wilma. I was directing Fairview at the Wilma at the same time. Yeah. So I was very much in and out of the the public rehearsal process. And so I would go away for a few days and I would come back and I'd go, holy crap. (laughs) That's incredible that you, but it's like the thing that he saw, you know, when he read the play and you hope as a, as a writer that you can inspire that kind of, uh, adventurousness in a director at least that's what i want you know like yeah i know that there are you know many 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 playwrights who they want it to look the way that they see it in their mind sure yeah and they write for it specifically in that way and i you know my my i think it's because i come from the background of being an actor I, 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 you know, my, if you've read any number of my plays, there's very little prescription in it. Absolutely. It's very open. I was going to bring it up. Yeah, it's very open because I feel like there needs to be, I talk about space all the time. Are you making space for your collaborators when you're writing? Um, Mm -hmm. That you're not God. (laughs) (laughs) If it's just 
my way or the highway, I am the, the, the voice of authority of this world. Um, I personally am less interested in that. I'm, I'm much more interested in, well, how do we, how do I write something that when someone else picks it up, I can create the conditions in which when I come see it, I'll be delighted by it because it will yeah. be utterly novel to me. And I think that's part of it too in having it in front of an audience. I feel like you need at least two people because otherwise you are set in your very own specific world. And if the audience doesn't identify with your world, there's only so far you can go. And that's not to say it has to match everybody's expectations, of course, but it still has to have a base level of we have at least two, and that's before even getting to the cast interpretations. We have at least two views of the world that's happening here. Yeah. And so Sahim is just, and, and then also very like, while taking these big swings, very respectful of what I've done, what I've written. And it's one of the reasons why I've like continued to come back to work with him time and time again. This is actually the second thing that we've worked on together. The first was um, a production of a play of mine at the National Black Theater called Kill Move Paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, he had this great idea that in the moment I was like, oh, that's him. He wanted to cover <laughs> the entire set in two-way mirror and that the lights would be installed behind the two-way mirror. And I was like, how does that even work? And then to see it, it was just like, this is why you get out of a director's way and you let them Because you can't see it that way, literally. I couldn't see it. There was no way I was going to be able to see what he was doing. Um, In another dimension. Yes, yes. And so it's what you want, I think. You want someone who's thinking in like the fifth dimension, the fourth dimension. That's what I always want. Because otherwise you can only see directly the paper in front of you. Yes, exactly. So, you know, it's it's just been really wonderful. And we're working on a couple of other things coming up. So, like, it's it's going to be, he's going to be one of the, the great sort of artistic collaborators of my life, I think. You've mentioned those kind of open spaces in your writing, and I did read Fat Ham the instant I got it in the mail the other day. Um, you know, there's, there is a lot of openness. There's the maybe this, maybe that, maybe it's in North Carolina, maybe Virginia, but certainly not Florida. You've got. <laughs> Cause I'm clear about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it made complete sense for me as someone whose mother is from Virginia. Like, yes. oh, yeah, no, 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 those are all different. West Virginia is different from Virginia. We're not even getting into that. <laughs> But I mean, you've got, (laughs) you've got, uh, you know, talking about the karaoke scene, especially you've got, uh, Crystal Waters written in the script, which as a fellow queer whose mother insisted on bringing out the karaoke machine at any (laughs) given party. Thank you for that representation. Um, (laughs) you've got Radiohead. Um, the ending music choice, though, is left up for interpretation of the production. Yes. How did Kill the Lights, which is a song I listen to on a daily basis, become the one for the end in this beautiful, <laughs> well, joyous moment? We, so Sahim was like, we need something for the end. And I was like, okay, well, what about this? And we were like, oh, not that. That doesn't work. That's not quite right. And other things, we, we we went through several different songs. And then I was re-watching an old episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. I kid you Oh, not. perfect. Perfect. And 
This just when I thought Fat Ham couldn't get any gayer. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, there's so much gay. Um, <laughs> Heidi in Closet does a lip sync against, yes. I can't remember who she lip syncs against. Unimportant because it's Heidi in Closet. Well, exactly. And yeah. it was it was Kill the Light. And I was like, oh my God. That's right. This is, song is incredible. This is it. This is the tune. And it just, I, it, when I came in, because again, I had to like, sort of go away for a couple of days for something. And when I came back and they showed me this closing number and Calvin, who is just a supernova oh my God. of a yeah. performer, like that yeah. range that he exhibits in the play is truly, truly breathtaking. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, which I think, which I think in the context too, of mentioning that you got, the like uh, RuPaul's Drag Race inspired you, and Heidi in Closet inspired you. This miscongeniality drag queen, and then you have Larry, who's talking about wanting to become a performer and thinking mm-hmm. that he can do it and have this stage presence. I feel like that fits in so beautifully together. I do too, and like, and then honestly, when when I saw it all come together, I was like, "This is just remarkable," and this is why I love the theater because you know that that's not a thing that you come to on your own that's a thing you come to in collaboration with other people um we were in need of something and this idea this notion came along and it just worked it just was the right thing at the right time Uh, i want to talk about casting real quick you already mentioned calvin um from when I saw it at the public, I thought every component of the play, every actor in the play was the right fit. And I would, I would love to hear about you, especially Marcel Spears, who I just think is a supernova himself. Uh, how all these beautiful acting components came into the show and what they brought to it in your eyes. Yeah. I mean, I, if you're lucky, you get a cast like that. Um, yeah. And I mean, everything from the generosity of the actual room, the workplace, to their own individual um, incredible talent. Um, so it's, um, it, it's, it's just sort of a kind of, of kismet experience with them. And, and it's so yeah. special. Um, I'm like forever changed because of these people. So it's, um, it's been a real special journey to, to take with them. Marcel, Marcel auditioned on video. Like so many people do now. Yeah, sure. And I saw, I wasn't in person for auditions because again, I was still helping run the Wilma and I was teaching. And so most of my uh, interaction with the actors was over zoom or um, or seeing their audition tapes during the audition process. And pretty much from jump, that audition tape for Juicy yeah. was astonishing. I could not get over it. That's how I felt watching him. Um, I said this to him. I said, it's him. He was like, oh, I think we should see some more people. I was like, I think that that's wise. No, we're good, yeah. We'll see more, just to say we've done it. But Because, yeah. yes, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You should see, as the director, right? As you should many see as possible, sure. As many people as you are legally able to see in this process. <laughs> um, 
and then gas starts. <laughs> and at, at a certain point, <laughs> he was very much like, yeah, like we saw it, everybody that you could think of that could do this, we saw them. Um, and it was also the first time with this play that I was like, oh, I've written something that's actually kind of complicated to cast. Like, this is not an easy role. Um, sure. Which is going to be interesting because in, it's it's got maybe 15 productions in the regions this season. So mm, it's gonna, nice. I'm going to see a lot of juicies. I'm going to see a lot of different, you know, juicy Johnsons. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Marcel just it, it it was it was uncanny his um ability to sort of reach into the audience be really present with the audience he wrote that wave really beautifully you know at a certain point it does sort of take on uh, a a different level of responsibility when you're that engaged with the people in the house yeah and he oh, yeah. just got it like and got and like they were in the palm of his hand it was just um one of the more amazing things i've ever seen is just his ability to step into that it was it was gorgeous gorgeous and he was gorgeous oh yeah absolutely if i had any doubt of his casting uh before seeing him on broadway when i saw the show on broadway i have never in my life seen a smoother shutdown of a phone going off he was three lines <laughs> into the i have heard that guilty creature sitting in a play monologue and just yeah. it's like it was a part of the monologue still just smooth beautiful with a smirk and back to the text and everyone applauded everybody loved it it was a hundred percent just this charisma and this softness and smoothness that he embodies in the role of juicy but also just in general as an actor yeah he he got so good at that yeah and i think he came into the process you know he he, he his facility with it like at the public it was very different. It was very intimate. And I, I think there was less of this sort of uh, disconnect that can happen in a Broadway house because they're so yeah. big of like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that thing's happening over here and I'm out here. But our play really required the audience to be present. Completely. And um, he ushered that. He was the person who, um, for lack of, of a better term, was the the point of maintenance for that and he did it so well he did it with so much grace and um yeah just really really special performer i think my uncle had my father killed juicy and now my father wants me to kill my uncle juice like revenge yeah well, what are you gonna do well i ain't never killed nobody yeah i think it's probably mad hard exactly <laughs> maybe you can do it metaphorically no see no that's what i thought too but no he means for real for me <laughs> oh no he dead Maybe I could do it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, that's that's a big maybe. I feel like uh-huh. maybe yeah. I could consider yeah. thinking about uh-huh. you know? You did mention regional uh, productions of Fat Ham coming up. I would love to hear about the future of it a little bit more, as well as I know you're struck at the moment, but maybe some other upcoming work that you are capable <laughs> of talking about. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the theater is not struck, so thank goodness. Yeah, phew. That is a thing Nar- that I can still... Narrowly avoided, so thank know, goodness, because we simply could not deal with another shutdown. Avoided. 
oh my gosh. When they were like, I got sales, like, oh boy, that's not good. I'm going for a walk. That's like, yeah, yeah, it was so stressful. (sighs) Um, But um, the productions that are announced are uh, of Fat Ham are uh, the Huntington is doing it. Stevie Walker Webb is directing that production. Um, He's also directing the Alliance production in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Um, Taylor Reynolds is doing uh, DC at Studio Theater. The, the, The Broadway production is going to the Geffen in L.A., in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that. Um, very, very and exciting. Then, and I've never been to the West coast and I'm like, do I need to go to the West coast for this? I'm excited <laughs> to see like it out there. It's, I'm, I wonder how it plays out there. I'm very excited. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, there's a bunch of others that haven't, haven't been announced yet, but it's, it's, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting, you know, uh, because I leave so much space. That it is yeah. truly going to be a different experience Completely. every time I see it. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I am in, you know, personally, just artistically in deep writing mode because there may be a dozen things that I have neglected <laughs> uh, <laughs> over the past deeply year. Deeply relatable. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm really looking forward to um, getting back to, to some of that stuff because, you know, commissions and and projects that i've been uh co-book writing a musical um with damon cardis mm. um uh called saturday church mm-hmm. um and with music by sia and whitney white's directing oh, wow. so that that's one that i've been working on for a while that i actually this week was the week of like okay finish this new draft this week <laughs> you have to finish it this week you have no other choice but to finish it this really, week really put and it into so, affirmations yeah i had to like you know tie myself to the desk this week to make sure that i i finished it all <laughs> and i did i feel very Yay, proud congrats. um <laughs> but um yeah that's 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 cooking and you know working on um you know other plays that i've been s- sort of I've put on the back burner for a while just because I've been like in playwright in production mode. Sure. And so it's nice to return to some of those and um and spend some time with those characters that I've been neglecting for a while. Very exciting. Well, Fat Ham is out now from TCG Books. I have already read it once. I'm sure I will be returning to it often, both personally and professionally. James Imes, thank you so much for talking with me today. I can't wait to see what comes next. I can't wait to see Fat Ham again, truly. I love it so much. Oh, that makes me so happy. I had a great time talking to you.